Numbers 18 this morning. Numbers chapter 18. We are working our way through the book of Numbers. Um, slowly but surely. Numbers chapter 18. I am going to read the entire chapter, all, ver- all 32 verses. And as, as I read it, I want you to listen for a couple of things. Well, the first thing I want you to hear um, in the first seven verses, verses 1 through 7, um, they're going to show us um, how the priests and the Levites were to keep guard over the tabernacle. The priests and the Levites were there to make sure that, that, um, that nothing unclean, nothing unfitting um, came into the tabernacle. And um, they were standing guard, keeping the wrath of God at bay, keeping the people safe. This way the people could, could have fellowship with God, have the forgiveness of God. They could be with God if the priests and Levites do what they're supposed to do. That's the first seven verses. And then um, the, uh, the last verses, 8-32, through 32, is all about how the people of Israel come and they bring their contributions to the priests and the Levites. Um, they come and they, the priests and Levites don't have their own land, they don't have their own farms, they don't have any way of making money or, or producing food for their families. So they're going to live off of the tithes and the offerings and the first fruits of the people of Israel. So that's what we're listening for as I read these um, 32 verses. Here we go. So the Lord said to Aaron, You and your sons and your father's house with you shall bear iniquity connected with the sanctuary, and you and your sons with you shall bear iniquity connected with your priesthood. And with you bring your brothers also the tribe of Levi, the tribe of your father, that you may join, that they may join you and minister to you while you and your sons with you are before the tent of the testimony. They shall keep guard over you and over the whole tent, but shall not come near to the vessels of the sanctuary or to the altar, lest they die and you die. They shall join you and keep guard over the tent of meeting for all the service of the tent, and no outsider shall come near you. And you shall keep guard over the sanctuary and over the altar, that there may never again be wrath on the people of Israel. And behold, I have taken your brothers brothers, the Levites, from among the people of Israel, they are a gift to you, given to the tent to do the service of the tent of meeting, given to the Lord to do the service of the tent of meeting. And you and your sons with you shall guard your priesthood for all that concerns the altar and that is within the veil, and you shall serve. I give your priesthood as a gift, and any outsider who comes near shall be put to death." Then the Lord spoke to Aaron, Behold, I have given you charge of the contributions made to me, all the consecrated things of the people of Israel. I I have given them to you as a portion, and to your sons as a perpetual due. This shall be yours of the most holy things, reserved from the fire, every offering of theirs, every grain offering of theirs, and every sin offering of theirs, and every guilt offering of theirs, which they render to me, shall be most holy to you and to your sons. In a most holy place shall you eat it. Each male may eat it. It is holy to you. This is this also is yours, the contribution of their gift, all the wave offerings of the people of Israel. I have given them to you and to your sons and daughters with you as a perpetual due. Everyone who is clean in your house may eat it. All the best of the oil and all the best of the wine and of the grain, the first fruits of what they give to the Lord, I give to you. The first ripe fruits of all that is in the land... 
which they bring to the Lord shall be yours. Everyone who is clean in your house may eat it. Every devoted thing in Israel shall be yours. Everything that opens the womb of all flesh, whether man or beast, which they offer to the Lord shall be yours. Nevertheless, the firstborn of man you shall redeem, and the firstborn of unclean animals you shall redeem, and their redemption price at a month old you shall redeem them. You shall fix at five shekels in silver according to the shekel of the sanctuary, which is twenty geras. But the firstborn of a cow, or the firstborn of a sheep, or the firstborn of a goat, you shall not redeem. They are holy. You shall sprinkle their blood on the altar, and shall burn their fat as a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. But their flesh shall be yours, as the breast that is waved, and as the right thigh are yours. All the holy contributions that the people of Israel present to the Lord I give to you, and to your sons and daughters with you as a perpetual due." It is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord for you and your offspring with you. And the Lord said to Aaron, You shall have no inheritance in their land, neither shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the people of Israel. To the Levites I have given every tithe in Israel for an inheritance in return for their service that they do, their service in the tent of meeting, so that the people of Israel do not come near the tent of meeting lest they bear sin and die. But the Levites shall do the service of the tent of meeting, and they shall bear their iniquity. It shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generations, and among the people of Israel they shall have no inheritance. For the tithe of the people of Israel, which they present as a contribution to the Lord, I have given to the Levites for an inheritance. Therefore I have said of them that they shall have no inheritance among the people of Israel." And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Moreover, you shall speak and say to the Levites, which, when, when you take from the people of Israel the tithe that I have given you from them for your inheritance, then you shall present a contribution from it to the Lord, a tithe of the tithe. And your contribution shall be counted to you as though it were the grain or the, of the threshing floor and as the fullness of the winepress. So shall you present a contribution to the Lord from all your tithes which you receive from the people of Israel. And from it you shall give the Lord's contribution to Aaron the priest. Out of all the gifts to you, you shall present every contribution due to the Lord. From each its best part is to be dedicated. Therefore you shall say to them, when you have offered from it the best the best of it, then the rest shall be counted to the Levites as produce of the threshing floor and as produce of the winepress. And you may eat it in any place, you and your households, for it is your reward in return for your service in the tent of meeting. And you shall bear no sin by reason of it when you have contributed the best of it, but you shall not profane the holy things of the people of Israel, lest you die. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love for us. We pray that you would help us to, um, to see really, really good New Testament principles um, as we look at this weird Old Testament passage. This, 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 this passage that seems really ancient to us, I pray that you would help us to see um, good New Testament principles that apply right now to our lives. I pray that you would work in us this morning. Well, thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. So, uh, my family and I have been um, cleaning out our garage. Uh, we're doing some, oh, just some different projects. And so, uh, part of that is cleaning, getting our garage cleaned out. And we have um, a multitude of children. And, and so, we have, we have lots of stuff. We have lots of stuff. And anything that's kind of big and bulky and doesn't really fit in our house and probably shouldn't be outside in the grass, it ends up in the garage. And so we had a lot of stuff in our garage. 
Um, a lot of it was good stuff. A lot of it was stuff that no one ever should own for any reason. So why was it in there? You know, so we have, we have that. Everybody's, you know, everybody has that same kind of issue, I'm sure. And so our garage is actually not a bad-looking place. I didn't know what it looked like. Um, I hadn't seen the walls or the floor for a few years. And so we got it all cleaned out. We got the garage decluttered. And we're like, oh, this is a nice little space here. Uh, this is nice. It's kind of like, you know, buying a new house or something. This is cool. We need to do this in our life a lot. I've, I've needed to do this. This, this passage has, has driven home for me. I needed to do this this week in a few different ways. We need to declutter. We need to declutter. Um, we need to, we need to um, sort out, get rid of stuff, maybe good, maybe not, that's, that's in the way of seeing things the way we need to see them. This, this chapter here is going to do that for us when it comes to church ministry. We're going to look at this old, Old Testament chapter and, and because Numbers comes at us from a kind of a, a weird angle, an unexpected angle, it can be really clarifying and really helpful for us. The book of Numbers itself, just it helps us to, to clear out some of these weird, uh, modern, unnecessary things that we have cluttering up our theology, cluttering up our view of God, cluttering up our understanding uh, of who He is, what His Word says, what we should be doing. And this chapter here is going to help us to declutter um, our understanding of church ministry. It's going, to, it's going to kind of pull some stuff out. It's going to sort some, some, some stuff out. And then we're going to be able to, to see church ministry really clearly. That's the goal this morning. We have four decluttering truths. We had four decluttering truths. Our resident youth director, I, he said, how many points in the sermon this week? Kyle Gerber, how many points in the sermon this week? Four. He goes, well, that's good. Last week it was six. I was like, oh, yeah, well, that's a youth director thing to say. Um, sometimes less is not more, you know? Sometimes more is more. Although last week, less would have been more. That's true. But this week, an appropriate number of points. Four decluttering truths. All right, let's think about these together. Truth number one Church ministry answers the only question that matters. Church ministry answers the only question that matters. Chapter 17, I don't know if you remember it or not, but chapter 17 ended with a very terrifying question. The end of chapter 17 in verses 12 and 13, the the people of Israel said to Moses, Behold, we perish. We are undone. We are all undone. Everyone who comes near, who comes near to the tabernacle of the Lord shall die. Are we all to perish? That's the end of chapter 17. I love the way it kind of ends on a cliffhanger. Are we all going to die? Are we all going to die? And they had good reason for thinking this because chapters 16 and 17 and, and a lot of the chapters before that they were, they, they were not going well for the people of Israel. They kept complaining and rebelling and then facing the wrath of God and then Moses and Aaron would intercede for them and then, and then they would complain and rebel again and then they'd face the wrath of God and, and it's, it just kept going over and over and the last thing that happened in the end of chapter 16 was, was God sent this plague. 
He said, this is it. I'm, I'm done with you. And he sends this plague. And it, it wipes out 14,000 of the people before Aaron rushes in and intercedes for them and gets the plague stopped. He, he atones for the people's sin and, and, and God halts the plague. But it's got everybody on edge now. And they should be on edge. They're starting to realize, oh man. They're starting to, they're starting to get it. We are in serious danger. How can we, how can we be forgiven by God? How can we have fellowship with God? How can we be sure that God is with us and for us and going to bless us and going to take care of us? How, how can we, how can we approach the tabernacle? Are we all just going to die once we get anywhere near the holiness of God? They're starting to understand what the holiness of God is all about. They're starting to understand that He cannot and will not allow their grumbling and their complaining. So are all we gonna, we're all going to die. It's not a bad question. That's the question that all of us should be asking. All of us should have asked this at one point in our life. This is the question that matters. Since God is holy and we are absolutely not, are we all going to die? And God graciously gives them the answer. The answer He's already given them. They just keep forgetting and ignoring. He says, no. In chapter 18. No, you're not going to die. No, you're going to be fine. If you approach me correctly, I have given you the priesthood as a gift. I've given this to you. If you approach me through the priesthood that I have set up, Verse 5, he says to the priest, you shall keep guard over the sanctuary and over the altar that there may never again be wrath on the people of Israel. If the priests and the Levites, if they do what they're supposed to do correctly, if the Levites keep anything unclean out of the tabernacle, and then the priests, they do what they're supposed to do, and they keep the Levites out of the most holy places, away from the altar... If, if the priests and the Levites do what they're supposed to do and the people approach God through the priest, it's going to be fine. You don't have to die. It'll be okay. I, I, God's like, I've, I've got an answer for this. You just keep ignoring it. You keep rebelling against it. This is the main role of the Levites and priests. To, to help the people, to, to make sure that the people are saved from the wrath of God. To hold forth the truth by any means necessary. Sometimes they have to actually physically keep people out. Hold forth the truth by any means necessary that there's only one way to be forgiven by God. You can't just come and do things at the tabernacle however you want to do them. You, you can't just say, well, we're all holy, so we're all priests, so let's all just be priests. You can't do that. You have to approach God correctly. There's only one way to be forgiven by God, to be right with God, to have fellowship with God forever. That is through the priests that he has set up. And so this is a very decluttering truth for me. This helps me, this helps me as a pastor. And this helps us as church leadership. And this helps us as, as church members. This helps us to, to remember why we're here. What it is that we contribute to society. What it is that we give to each other, that we offer to each other, what it is we offer to the world. The truth that they don't have to be punished for their sins. They don't have to face the wrath of God. It is real. It is deadly. It is going to get them. They deserve it. You and I deserve hell. It is real. We deserve it. 
This is what we tell the world. And then we offer to them this truth. Jesus Christ is your only hope. There is only one way to be forgiven by God. There's only one way to have fellowship with God. There's only one way to to enjoy the love of God forever. It's through Jesus Christ. He lived perfectly. We could not. He died for our sins so we don't have to be punished. He was raised again so we can have life forever. That's what we believe. And that's the only thing that will save us. This is what we're here for. This is such a decluttering truth because, because what can happen is all kinds, of, all kinds of things. Some good, some not. They, they fill up our brain space. They fill up our schedule. They, they fill up the, 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 the calendar of the church. This, this passage is helpful. This reminds us, no, there's, there's one ultimate reason you're here. Get all the stuff out of the way and look at it clearly. We're here to tell each other and to tell the world there is only one way to be right with God. It is through His Son, Jesus Christ. This is a clarifying truth for us. Church ministry answers the only question that matters. This is what, this is what, we, this is what unbelievers need to hear, and this is what you and I need to hear from each other every week. This is what you need to hear in the, in the Sunday school hour. This is what you, in, you need to hear in the sermons. This is what we need to hear in our music. This is what we need to hear in our encouragement with each other, that, that you and I deserve hell. But, but Jesus died for us. This is what believers need to hear. It's what unbelievers need to hear. But every one of you, whether you've believed this for, for 10 years or 10 minutes, you need, to, you need to be reminded every single Sunday morning that because Jesus died for you, you're not going to get what you deserve. You're going to get what He deserves. He took what you deserve. You get what He deserves. You get what He has earned. Complete joy God the Father forever. We need to hear that every week. This is our contribution to the world. So that's the first decluttering truth. That's the first decluttering truth. Here's the second. Second, church ministry is dangerous work. Church ministry is dangerous work. I don't know if little boys, you know, they dreamed of being priests and Levites when they grew up. And I don't know if Korah, when he, Korah last week we saw he really wanted the priesthood, I don't know if he knew what he was talking about. I don't know if he knew what he, what, what he was asking for. The Lord says to Aaron in chapter 18, you and your sons and your father's house with you shall bear iniquity connected with the sanctuary. You're going to be the first ones to be judged. You and your sons with you shall bear iniquity connected with your priesthood. And, and you bring your brothers also, the tribe of Levi, the tribe of your father, that they may join you and minister to you while you and your sons with you are before the tent of the testimony. They shall keep guard over you and over the whole tent, but shall not come near to the vessels of the sanctuary or to the altar lest they and you die. Priests, if you let the Levites in, you're all going to die. They shall join you and keep guard over the tent of meeting for all the service of the tent, and no outsider shall come near you. And you shall keep guard over the sanctuary and over the altar that there may never again be wrath on the people of God. If we don't do things God's way, if we allow His tabernacle to, to be infiltrated by unclean people, People who are unfit. People who have not been chosen by Him for this task. 
If the Levites don't do their jobs and the priests don't do their jobs, there's going to be all kinds of wrath. And it's going to start with the priests and the Levites. They're going to be the first ones to pay. This is dangerous work. They're like lightning rods for God's anger. They will be the first ones to feel it if things go wrong. And now, of course, this is a, uh, it looks very different in the New Testament, of course. But the principle remains the same. The, 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 the teaching ministry of the church is a dangerous thing. James 3, 1 says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that, that we who teach will be judged with great strictness. If there's a verse that I think about every week and it makes me shudder just a little bit, it's that one. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. The, and repeatedly in the New Testament, false teachers are blasted and condemned and it becomes increasingly clear that they will be held in greater judgment than those who don't try to teach or lead or minister. I'm going to stand account. I'm going to stand before God. I'm going to give account for how I handled the Word of God. Do I know what this is going to look like? No, I don't. Is it a little bit scary? Yes, it should be. It should be. I'm going to stand and give account for how I handle the Word of God. When we teach the Word of God to people who are coming and and people are assuming that that we're going to teach what what God has said, we're going to relay the message of Scripture to them. We're held accountable for how we do that. We're, We're held accountable as church leadership for how we lead our church. Did I fill up our church with so many good things that, that you couldn't find the Gospel unless you dig for it? You'd have to dig around. We spend all of our time on side issues and on secondary matters. Couldn't find the Gospel unless you dig for it. And that's on me. That's on our leadership. We'll get held accountable for that. Eternal souls are at stake here. You want side issues. If you want secondary matters, there's all kinds of places in this world where you can go and you can spend all your time thinking and debating and talking and, and working on side issues and on secondary matters. We have to hold forth the Gospel of Jesus Christ. That's our contribution. What are we doing if we don't do that? What's the point of this? And if I call into question any of the Word of God... There's, there's stuff in the book of Numbers that makes me a little bit, it makes me wince a little bit. Like, man, I don't really want to preach that. That's a little bit weird. And there's, there's something like that in almost every book I preach through. But one of the reasons that I preach through whole books is so that I will have to deal with that and I'll have to say, this is what Scripture says. It doesn't matter what I think. Here's what Scripture says. It's not, it doesn't matter what makes me uncomfortable. Here's what Scripture says. Because the moment that I start to kind of say, well, you know what? Actually, Actually, that miracle might not have happened. That might be allegorical. God condemned that lifestyle in the book of Romans. In the book of 1 Corinthians, he called that out. But times have changed. If I start to do that, 
If, if, if I start to play down the Word of God, then I'm also calling into question the, the, the way the Word of God describes salvation through Jesus Christ. If, if, I, if I open up any of it for debate, then I open up all of it for debate. If I do that, I will be held accountable. I will be held accountable. Think about James chapter 3 and, and, and then you hear some prominent preacher say something that's just... That's just it, there's no way they've read the Bible if they say that. There's no way that they've read through the Bible if they're going to say what they just said. No way! And at first you get angry. You're like, man, he's got so many followers. He's got so many ears. And then you start to worry about his soul. You start to worry about how he will be judged. Jesus says, woe to you. He's talking to the scribes and the Pharisees, those who have a zeal for God, but they have no knowledge, like Romans says. For you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. They have zeal. They're all about making proselytes. They're all about getting followers. But then Jesus says, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Jesus is going to judge these people. Church ministry is dangerous work. Number three, church ministry is a gift from God. Here's our third decluttering truth. Church ministry is a gift from God. Um, And I've been waiting all week to tell you that I'm God's gift to you. This this is going to be good. This is good. Um, This is looking forward to this. Verses 6 and 7, And behold, I have taken your brothers, the Levites, from among the people of Israel. They are a gift to you, given to the Lord to do the service of the tent of meeting. And you and your sons with, with, you, or, yeah, with you shall guard your priesthood for all that concerns the altar, and that is when the veil, and you shall serve. I give your priesthood as a gift. God, God's giving the Levites and the priests as a gift to the people. It's His way of teaching and protecting the people, of keeping them on the straight and narrow, of keeping them under His protection and blessing and in His fellowship. This is what church ministry is. Your pastors and your teachers are God's gift to you. They're God's gift to you. Ephesians picks up this same idea. And again, Old Testament way of looking at it gets unpacked here in Ephesians chapter 4 where it says, and He gave, Jesus, Jesus gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Jesus has given shepherds and teachers to the church. That this is His gift to us. I think of all the different ways that the shepherds and teachers that God has given to His church have benefited me. I will tell you, I, uh, my, my friend said, you're, you're, um, you're preaching through numbers. You're, you're, in the, you're in the deep water. I said, well, I'm, I'm standing on on the shoulders of giants. When I, when I pastor this church, when I preach the Word of God, I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. There are brilliant, humble, Jesus-loving teachers and shepherds that God has been giving His church for years. 
And I'm just telling you what they said. I'm telling you how they've, they've taught me. They've, they've, God has used them to change me, to humble me, to, to grow me, to keep humbling me. Obviously, that's not a finished thing. You know, I'm still, still sorting through that one. But they, they, they're working on me. God works on me through the, through the shepherds and the teachers that he gives to the church. Through you. God, God, is, God is working through you to make me more and more mature. And my wife's like, you know what? If you guys could just work a little harder. <laughs> you could just work a little harder. <laughs> I mean, yeah. This is what God has done for us. You understand that? This is God's gift to us. When we gather for Sunday school, that's God's gift to us. He's given teachers to the church. And he's done this so that we can all be built up. So that we can all be built up. So we can, we can attain unity of the faith that comes with the knowledge of the Son of God. So that we won't have a zeal for God without knowledge. I heard that in the chapter that Colin read this morning, and that's just like ringing in my ears. This idea of zeal for God with no knowledge. We don't want that. We want the zeal for God that comes from the knowledge of Jesus Christ. The knowledge of His Word. So that we reach maturity. So we, we reach the, the, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We become more and more Christ-like. So we, we, this, is, this is why we're here. This is why we're here. This is why God has given teachers and shepherds to us. So that, so that we can know more and more of the Gospel. Here's what the Gospel means and here's what it produces in our life. Here's how we should live in, in that we'll be worthy of the Gospel. And here's how we can live because of the, the work of the Gospel. Here's how we should love God because of, because of Jesus. So we know more and more of who Jesus is. And then we become more and more like Him. We grow in holiness and courage and compassion and truthfulness. So that we can do the work of the ministry. This is equipping the saints for the work of ministry, Ephesians 4 says. So your teachers have been given to you, not just so that you can kind of sit there and be thankful for them, but so that now you can go, and in the opportunities God gives you, you can go and do the work of the ministry. You can encourage one another with the truth of God's Word. You can pray. You can help the, your, your friends. You can help your family to pursue Christ-likeness. You can help people to know more of who Jesus is and what it means to, to trust Him and follow Him. To live like Him. This is God's gift to us. This is God's gift to us. And finally, told you, I'm, we're going fast this morning. Last point right here, number four. It's a bit of a pendulum, though, I'm telling you. Next week's going to be an hour again. So I'm just saying, it's a little bit of a pendulum. I'm a little bit of an overreactor. I'll go home this day and say, yeah, that sermon was too short. i got to do something about that. So, uh, but so just enjoy this one. Number four, church ministry is worth our financial investment. I'm not going to read all of verses 8 through 32 again, but we would see, if I did, we'd see once again that this was all about how the, the different ways the people brought their offerings, their tithes, their first fruits to the priests and to the Levites. This is how the priests and the Levites were paid. This was their income. And, and, and frankly, um, 
if you read through the rest of the Old Testament, you're going to see like the, like the Levites were among like the, the poor in the land. They were, they were among like the, the, the lowest of the... But that's not the way it was supposed to be. If, if, if the people would have done what God called them to do here, these offerings would have been pretty substantial. The priests and Levites would have been able to live and not worry about anything but, but focusing in on the work of the tabernacle. They could, have, they could have focused right in on the work of the tabernacle and not have to worry about... They, they wouldn't have any financial concerns. They wouldn't have to get a, a paper route or anything like that. They could, they could focus in... And so this is another great point. Not only am I God's gift to you, but keep those offerings coming. Right? I mean, that's what I'm saying. I'm just saying what the Bible says. My son, Pete, has... You know that, you know that phase that teenage boys go through where they double your grocery bill? My seven-year-old boy has started that phase already. So keep those offerings coming. Don't stop now. Don't stop now. We're just getting started, people. And I, I always am a little bit like this when I talk about giving because it, it is a little weird to stand up here and say this. Uh, but the truth is from Scripture. And this is a, a truth that, it, that, gets, that gets reverberated through the New Testament as well. The, the laborer is worthy of his hire. It's, it's, it's important to set the, 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 the paid pastors up in the church so that they don't have to worry about um, working other jobs and, and they're not going to have financial um, concerns. And again, I, I always say this as well when I'm talking to this. I don't have any complaints. Uh, Colin left with one of his kids. He complains all the time. But... Uh, <laughs> I mean, don't tell him. I, no, I'm just kidding. We, are, we, have, we, have no, we have no complaints. And we are, we are thankful not only that our salaries are provided for, but that also the rest of the... I mean, because this principle not only works for, um, not works for, for paying someone's salary, but it works for continuing on the work of the ministry. And so we're thankful for the, for the generosity that you people show, and so we can keep the lights on. We can keep the curriculum up to date. We, we can keep all the different live streaming we've started lately. We've we got to pay for that. We've got all this different stuff, and, and God has blessed this ministry through your generosity. But it's important here that we see the logic. And again, I'm not saying this so that um, you all feel bad and... and double your gifts. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's, it's, it's vital for us to understand the theology here. It's vital for us to understand the logic here. God is saying that since the priests and the Levites, they do the dangerous, necessary work that they are doing. They, they do this work that they have been given by Him to the people to do. Since they are doing it according to His Word, then, then they should be compensated. Financial investment makes sense. And here's another thing I always say, because it's vital for us to hear it and to remember that, that the logic breaks down if we stop being a Gospel church. The, the reason that uh, financial investment is worth it falls apart if we stop being a gospel church. If you come here and we are, and we are clear and, and explicit 
and incessant, almost, almost obsessive with the Gospel of Jesus Christ, if that's what we're about, people knowing Jesus, and when they've come to know who He is, and they come to know and believe the Gospel, then, then they start to, to know more and more of what it means to live a life worthy of the Gospel because of the work of the Gospel in their life. And then they want other people to know Jesus. And so they're being equipped to, to help other people understand what it means to grow in maturity. If that's happening in our church, and if that continues to happen, then a, then a financial investment makes sense. It makes sense. There's a clear logic here that if that stops happening, it doesn't make sense. You need to find a different place to invest your offerings. We've got... Man, it's only 11.35. Whew. Got five quick questions. Another one of our beloved staff members the other day, the only other one, Colin, said, he said, well, how, how many, how, how much, you know, how many lines do you have on the page? And because and, he said, you, you turn like four lines on a page into like this big long spiel. I was like, shut up. All right. <laughs> Got five quick questions. Five quick questions from our text together as, as we are trying to declutter our understanding of church ministry. This is the, this is the one that matters. If you don't have this one, then, don't, then the rest of them don't matter. Let's talk about this one first. Number one, have you personally trusted Christ as your Savior? Are you safe from the wrath of God that you deserve for your sins? Are you safe because you believe that Jesus paid for your sins on the cross. Have you, is that you? Are you in? Do you believe the Gospel? If, if you haven't, please do so right now. Please look to Jesus and Him alone as your only hope to be saved from the, from the, from the punishment in hell that you deserve because of your sins. So that's question number one. And again, if you don't, if you're just not sure, you've got questions about that, please come find me afterwards. Um, as I say often, I'm not this loud in real life. I'll talk, we can have a conversation. Please come talk to me. Number two, second question, will you pray that First Baptist Church leaders and teachers, that we see the danger in what we've call, we're called to do, that we see the, 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 the seriousness of what we're called to do? Will you pray that, that we remember when, we're, when we when we go to get a lesson ready, to get a sermon ready, when we go to get a Bible study ready, when, with that, that, we are, that we are getting ready to, to relay the Word of God to people and that we're going to give account for the way we handle it. Number three, will you come to church looking to be built up in Christ? Will you come looking to to know more and more of, of Him, of His Gospel? Will you come looking to grow in maturity? I'm going to come to church today not just because it's something that I do and it's Sunday, so here we go. No, so I, I want to come to church so that I can grow in my understanding of the Word of God, so I can grow in my Christ-likeness, my maturity. Sometimes that means 
wrestling and repenting sin? Number four, will you look to be equipped to serve? Will you serve? So you're not only just thinking about yourself and your own maturity and your own growth, but now you're thinking, will you, I want to I serve other people as well. The, the ways that I'm giving an opportunity, I want to make disciples. I want to encourage. I want to share the Word of God. I want to be a blessing. And then number five, will you be financially invested according to what you are able? We have a, we have a wonderful Savior. We have a wonderful Savior who is, who is protecting us from the wrath and the hell that we deserve. Who is saving us from the wrath and the hell that we deserve. We have this news we have to share with other people. We have this news we have to continue to celebrate and to repeat and to, and to believe and to rejoice in every single Sunday morning. Will you pray that our church keeps going with that, gets stronger in that, is faithful with that, that more and more and more people will know Jesus? Let's pray together. God, we thank You for Your Word. Thank You for our time in it. I, I pray that You would help us, God. That you would, you would work in our hearts. That you would declutter us. We, we get cluttered up very easily. We get, we get cluttered up very easily with, with all kinds of, and many of them are good, little distractions. Suddenly our, our schedule, our calendar, all of our heart and, and mind is filled up with smaller, lesser things. Pray that you'd help us to remember this is why we're here. This is why we're here. It's worth it. Help us to go all in. In Jesus' name, amen.